We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast presented by Broadway Sports Media and 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graver, and Justin Mello is on vacation. So today, I am joined by Mike Herndon at Mike Herndon NFL, writer for paulkoharski.com. You all know him. You all love him. Mike, thanks for being a pinch hitter today. How's it going? Of course. I, I'm, I gotta say, I'm pretty jealous of uh, Mello's uh, vacation porn pics that he's sending in our, uh, our group <laughs> chat. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to stand in for him, but I'm, I'm not going to lie and say I wouldn't wish I'd traded place with him, places with him today. <laughs> right. Those natural hot springs. He looks like he's having a great time. So we'll hold Absolutely. it, hold it down while he's out. A lot has happened. Here's a quick rundown of what we're going to talk about today. The Oilers throwback uniforms have been revealed. Thank God. Finally, they're here and they look amazing. (laughs) We're going to get into that. Kevin Byard has taken a pay cut. Interesting. That finally happened. Hopkins has signed the contract with the Titans. It's official. Pen to paper. Ink is dry. We don't have the details yet specifically about cap hits and void years and if, if that's happening or whatever. So we'll talk a little bit about Hopkins and his fit with the Titans because Mike, if you haven't seen it, Mike put out a great article, paulkoharski.com. Uh, looking at DeAndre Hopkins' fit in Tennessee. So we're going to get into that just a little bit. And then George Fant, the tackle, free agent tackle, visited the Titans, left without a contract. We'll talk about what that means in a second. And then we're going to do a little training camp preview, cover some guys who are on PUP, NFI list, some guys who are not on those lists. And we're going to talk about questions we're looking forward to having answered in training camp. So... Anyway, while you're here, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, comment anything below. Best way to help us grow is to just drop a comment below. If you're listening to this in podcast form, we appreciate you, but stop, go ahead to the YouTube channel and check us out there because that's what we're trying to grow most right now. So anyway, Mike, let's get into this. First reaction when you saw the Oilers throwbacks last night on Sunday night on Twitter, what were your thoughts? They're just gorgeous. Like they're they're just beautiful, objectively attractive uniforms and it, it is great to see them like I felt like there wasn't a ton of suspense. Like I kind of felt like those were the, I mean, there was some about like which version, like which year they would go towards and stuff like that. I always felt like it would be that version because to me, that is the iconic Oilers Jersey. That's the Jersey that when I think of Oilers, I think of that one. Um, And so thrilled with like how it turned out. I I love the detail with the love you blue logo, you know, insignia on the the back of the neck and all that, where they, I think they typically have the three stars on their regular jerseys there. Um, So like that details cool. Um, The stripes, the stripes on the socks look great. Like everything is, is basically done perfect. It looks exactly like I hoped it would. Yeah. Same. I just love, it's so clean. It's so nice. And I loved the reveal what they did. With the teaser, which everyone you know was guessing, is that Kevin Byard? Could it be DeAndre Hopkins? Could have been Derrick Henry, maybe. But turns out it was Kevin Byard in the teaser, and they were leaked a few day like they were showing up in like Nike shops and NFL shops. So yeah. we kind of had an idea what they were going to be. But I still think the the Titans social team crushed it with the release video, with uh, everything they put out. The photo shoot looked amazing. Shout out to Donald Page. So the Titans will wear these uniforms. They said in the statement from Jim Wyatt in two home games this year. So. Unfortunately, we won't see them on the road in Houston, which I think was everyone's dream, but still a chance that they they wear them when Houston comes to Nashville, which I really hope they do. And then Jim Wyatt mentioned that the Titans wanted to wear them in a road game in Miami, but apparently that won't happen whether the NFL is not allowing them to do it or the Dolphins are not allowing them to do it. Kind of a bummer that we don't get three games with them, but at least we get two. Yeah, and that that, I would love to know the reason why on the Miami thing, because to me, like... Miami, especially if Miami was to wear their throwback uniforms and the Titans could wear theirs, like, you know, at the same time, that would be one of the best uniform matchups and, you know, that's possible in football because the Dolphins throwbacks are elite. Um, So I don't know what the deal is. Like, I I wonder if maybe like they feel like the, but no, it it wouldn't make sense because I was thinking maybe with the white helmets and white helmets and white jerseys versus light blue jerseys if they felt like there wouldn't be enough contrast or something like that with the dolphin specifically 
um, because they do yeah. have a lot of white in their uniform. But I, I don't know. It's either way. It's it's too bad that we're not going to get to see him there. But excited to see him for two home games. I mean, that'll be great, and it'll make those games that much more exciting. You know, just a little something. Yeah, and it exactly. And it's just been so great as a Titans fan being on Twitter. Is it Twitter X? Whatever the hell X, it is now. Yeah. Uh, be, I'm going to call it Twitter. <laughs> being on Twitter and seeing Texans fans just completely melting down over the no, fact that the Titans get it. to wear these uniforms. National media like Albert Breer tweeting like, shouldn't the Browns get to wear the Ravens jersey or whatever the hell he tweeted. Like, I, I love it, actually, even though it's annoying every time. It, it seems like it happens every single offseason. J.J. Watt has something to say about it or whatever, but the Oilers legends have spoken. Amy Adams drunk has spoken like there's no debate. And I think Titans fans yeah. know this. I'm preaching to the choir, but it, it's still funny to see. Even Jags fans are are melting down over this throwback reveal, which is, is just great. It's crazy because I feel like this is the only version of this that this happens in. Like nobody complains about right. like the Lakers <laughs> or, or like the Jazz or anything like like nobody's throwing fits over that. But the Texans fans just lose their minds every time this comes up. And uh, yeah, it's it, the debate settled. This belongs to the Titans. It is the Titans. Uh, you know, it belongs with the this, the Adams family, right? That is that is ultimately right. what it is. This is their uh, intellectual property. So it comes with them. So it's like like if Twitter was to move to uh, Austin, let's say uh, from San Francisco, <laughs> and they change their name to X, like they've done or whatever. If another social media company opened up in San Francisco, they couldn't just name it Twitter. It like because <laughs> oh, it belong, the history of Twitter belongs in San Francisco. Like I get like businesses and, and sports teams are a little bit different in their connection to like local local and all that, but it still sounds ridiculous in any other setting. So I don't know why Texas right. fans think it makes sense in this one. And it's great because like I tweeted out a list of examples and I saw you reply to it with some more examples, but I didn't I didn't even think of the Dallas Texans. Which yeah. were a, a team, and now the Houston Texans took the Texans' name. Shouldn't that go back to Dallas? Like, let's just stop with all this nonsense. If you're, yeah. I mean, everyone listening agrees with us, so it doesn't. We're not really making any new ground here. But point is, Oilers uniforms are awesome. Can't wait to see them. Let's move on to the next thing here. Kevin Byard has restructured his contract. Wait, no, not a restructure, a renegotiation. There is a difference here. The Kevin Byard will be taking basically what amounts to an eight million dollar pay cut, as far as the cap is concerned, for the 2023 season for the Titans. I don't really care that much about how much Kevin Byard's going to be making personally. Like he's obviously good with it because he signed the deal. So we don't need to break down every single detail here. But the important thing is the Titans will save $8 million against the cap this year. It will cost them about $5 million against the cap next year. But as you've written about numerous times, as Justin and I have talked about on this podcast, the Titans have tons of cap space next season. So not really something to be concerned about. Really, this was to get Hopkins, most likely Hopkins, under the cap. Maybe another signing, George Fant, a cough cough, um, which hasn't happened yet. But as we still wait to find out the exact breakdown of Hopkins' structure, it's important to know they save $8 million. Kevin Byard, team player. What does this tell you about Kevin Byard, and what does it tell you about this season? I think it's that he believes that this team, by signing DeAndre Hopkins and just you know coming back with this defensive staff intact, he believes this team's going to compete for the very least, the division, if not more, this season. I think so, too. I, I think Bayard, I mean, it tells me Bayard's obviously a team player and that, you know, he the, the organization means a lot to him. His place in the organization, I think, means a lot to him. Um, and him, you know, kind of selflessly giving back some, some money here because he really is giving up some money. Like, this isn't the typical right. restructure <laughs> where it's like, you know, they take away – um, you know, they convert salary into signing bonus, but his take-home pay is still the same. Um, or even more real, right off the bat. <laughs> right, exactly. This is a real actual pay cut. So um, it's, uh, it's it definitely says something about Bayard. And it, it does say that, like, I think that probably the conversation when they had it earlier in the offseason was more of a, hey, we, we're wanting to do some extra stuff. And if we were able to get a guy in, because I kind of – the breadcrumbs are there to think right. that this has really been their plan all along was that they knew from the time Austin Ford got the job in Arizona, they knew that they were going to move on from Hopkins. Cause that always made sense anyways. And then like they, there's reason to believe they could have had that information as early as the draft or before, because apparently they talked about Hopkins and the potential trade up to number what was it, number three. Um, right. 
So there's a lot of like smoke around the idea that the Titans have been sniffing around Hopkins all off season. Um, and that maybe this, this was just the plan and the Vrabel's comments about, you know, well, there's other ways to get wide receivers and all this. There's reason to believe that this was the plan all along. And maybe that this was the conversation when they went to Byron and said, Hey, we want to do something, try to bring in some big fish later in the off season. Would you be willing to help us with that? And I'm guessing that this is, he said, go get the big fish and we'll talk about it. And we'll get it done. So I, that that's kind of what I think happened, honestly. Like I, this, That's what it feels like to me, just from what's been reported, what's been out there and that kind of timeline of events. Right. And a $19.6 million cap hit for a 29-year-old safety is was always going to be a high number for Bayer yeah. to play on this year. I mean, even when he signed the extension back, way back when, this was always going to be a high number to actually like, if he played this deal out, you know, that doesn't happen all that often in the NFL. We see it all the time with these big contracts ending after two or three years. Bud Dupree is probably the latest Titan example. Um, so the pay cut makes sense from just from like a cap resource allocation standpoint anyway. And then add on to the fact that they're trying to add DeAndre Hopkins might be adding a free agent tackle. They worked out a bunch of tackles we'll talk about in a second. Um but yeah, so Kevin Byard basically facilitated the Hopkins contract. I was really hoping that we were gonna have Hopkins contract details to talk about on this podcast. Since he officially signed the deal on Monday, it feels like that's the kind of stuff that's going to leak out on Tuesday. So stay tuned to Twitter for Tuesday. Twitter, I'm going to call it Twitter. Stay tuned to Twitter on Tuesday. Um, a ton of people, I'm sure, will report that information. I bet Zach will put out a tweet that breaks it all down anyway at FWordsPod. Um, so stay tuned for that. We're not going to be able to talk about that like I wanted to, but we can talk even more about how Hopkins fits in this offense, reuniting with Tim Kelly and Mike Vrabel. And it's interesting to note that the Titans, you know, they signed him officially on Monday and they put out an article with a bunch of quotes from Hopkins. Hopkins hasn't spoken to the media yet. He's doing that on Tuesday for the first time. But he said he's very happy, very glad to be here in Tennessee. And what he said about Mike Vrabel really stood out to me. So I'm going to read his quote here really quick. He said, quote, Vrabel is a straight shooter. And over my career, he has always checked in on me. Even when I was in Houston, he was a defensive coach, but he would still check on me just to see how I was doing. That always stuck with me. And I always wanted to be around people like that. I always wanted to be somewhere where I knew I could maximize my potential, not just as a player, but as DeAndre. And I knew Vrabel being around him, that's what he brings out of you. This is so interesting to me because we always hear about how Vrabel is more than just a coach on the field. He's like trying to help these guys be the best men they can be. And clearly that's important to DeAndre Hopkins. So many people in the media are like, oh, he chose the money over winning. Oh, he chose the money over a good quarterback. Like, yes, he did choose the money, but it's not that he chose it over winning. Like, Hopkins wouldn't have signed here if he didn't truly believe this team had a shot to win at least, like I said before, the division this year. And once you win the division, once you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. So nice to see Hopkins, you know, being here and being happy about it. But I wanted to ask you about the fit because you put out that great article with paulkowarski.com. Just about, <coughs> sorry. <coughs> Just about where you see him lining up because, you know, he's been pretty much been an X for most of his career. And then when Tim Kelly took over as the offensive coordinator in Houston in 2019, he played a lot more in the slot. So do you see him playing in the slot for the Titans? Obviously, everyone's excited about Kyle Phillips, but he's got to stay healthy. Everyone's excited about Traylon Burks. He plays pretty much the X receiver role. Where do you see Hopkins lining up in the Titans offense? Yeah, to me, I think it makes sense for Burks to continue as the X receiver in this offense. Like Hopkins was the X for for Houston, and even when Kelly was there, he was still mostly uh, the X receiver. But his slot usage did almost double from I think it was like the number was nineteen point seven percent to thirty seven point five percent in the year going from twenty eighteen to twenty nineteen when. Kelly became the offensive coordinator. So it almost doubled his usage in the slot. And I think that's a great spot for him right now in his career because Hopkins has never been a burner. Um, but even when I would say early in his career, he could still win vertically. Like he wasn't a, a speed guy necessarily, but he could still win down the field. I don't know that he can still win down the field. That's the one part of his game that I think has changed is that he's just not going to beat you vertically anymore. Now, he can double move you sometimes cuz he is he's a very he's still a very slick route runner. He's, he's he knows the nuance, he knows how to sell routes, that kind of thing. Um, but I think you can use that in the slot. You can use that out as, as like a flanker in the Z spot. So, I think that's probably his better role. It'll keep him off the ball, keep him from getting pressed as much, give him more ability to cuz he's really at his best when he can run at 
the corner and, you know, kind of use that stem to just get right on the guy's toes and then at the last minute make his move. And he's so good with his hands, his hand fighting, his positioning, his leverage, all that stuff. It really gives him the opportunity to use that to his advantage when he can be put off the ball like that. So to me, I think you line up Burks at the X, you, you know, put Hopkins mostly at the Z and then bump him into the slot sometimes on third downs. I mean, you and you could flip Kyle Phillips in there. I mean, I guess the benefit is a lot of these guys are pretty interchangeable. I, I think Phillips is really almost a slot only, like you could maybe play him at the Z. But Burks and Hopkins, you could play them in multiple spots. And I, I think we'll see that yeah. stuff kind of rotated around and moved around. And, and I think that'll be good for everybody. But um, letting Hopkins move is going to be beneficial to the Titans, I think. Yeah, just getting him, you know, with different matchups and playing him where he can excel against those different matchups. And I think it'll be super important for him and Tannehill to develop chemistry as this is mostly the training camp preview episode, along with a lot of news catch up. One of the things I hope to see in training camp is Hopkins on the field, getting that rapport down with Ryan Tannehill, especially because Hopkins best route, at least the last few years, has been that back shoulder fade, which you wrote a lot about in this article. And that's something that's going to you know require a lot of chemistry and precise timing Tannehill is going to have to have a good read on Hopkins' body language to know when to throw that ball, when he's going to cut it back. And so hopefully they can get a lot, enough time on the field together to work that out because the one concern with Hopkins, you know, there's a little bit of injury history, but nothing that really is glaring to me, even for a 31-year-old receiver. But the fact that he doesn't practice that often, he kind of had the Julio Jones practice routine going. So I wonder how many training camp practices we're going to see Oh, Hopkins was on the field for early stretching and workouts and then went inside or is working on a side field or whatever. I feel like that's going to happen a decent amount. I just hope it's not too much. Exactly. Yeah, I think what happened with Julio Jones, you have to avoid that happening again here because Julio, it was like the first week or so of camp. He was out there almost every day. You know, he would get like a veteran maintenance day here and there, which you would expect. I mean, Hopkins is going to get that, too. But then he got hurt or he he had that play where he made the spectacular catch. He comes down and then he gets up and limps inside. And then after that, he basically was out for the rest of training camp. Like that, he maybe had one <laughs> right. week of camp and then it was done. And it was like, okay, see you the week of the Cardinals game. Um, and I think that really affected Tannehill and Julio's ability to get on the same page and to get that chemistry going. And it's not like you're going to completely create, you know, seven years of chemistry and four weeks of training camp practices, but it helps. It definitely helps as as many reps as you can get with that guy and, and feeling him out and understanding how he runs his routes, what it looks like, what his speed is actually like. Um, Cause all that stuff is different from player to player and, and how he runs his routes. And, and the Titans talk a lot about, you know, route creativity and, and things like that. You know, they have a route that you are expected to run, but how you get there is largely up to the receiver. And so that's going to be different for Hopkins than it's going to be for Burks or for, you know, any of these other guys on the roster. So I think it's crucial that he is at camp consistently getting practice work in, getting with Ryan Tannehill, getting that timing down on those back shoulder throws and even the, the slants and outs and everything else that he's going to run in this right. offense. I think it's just critical that that they get that time together. And just to build trust, too, because obviously Tannehill can watch as much tape as he wants to. And like everyone knows, you know, three-time All-Pro, some of the best hands in the game. But actually delivering a ball into a window that feels like maybe it's not catchable and Hopkins goes up and makes an amazing play in training camp. Just like having Tannehill experience that and have that reassurance so that he does trust Hopkins in those big-time critical game situations. And another thing I want to ask you about here while we're on Hopkins is, do you really think the Titans are going to pass more this season? All indications are that they want to and that they might might finally become closer to a modern NFL offense. As much fun as Derrick Henry is, it's like also a bit frustrating to always be rooting for the team that is like stuck in the 1980s. <laughs> that said, adding the offensive linemen that they added who have been have been better in pass protection more or necessarily than than run blocking, adding DeAndre Hopkins now, is this going to be a team that passes more finally under Tim Kelly compared to Todd Downing? I think it is. I, I, in, you know, Hey, maybe, maybe I'll look back on this clip, you know, halfway through the season and go, I was so naive uh, to believe that this team was ever going to throw the ball. But I really do think all the signs are pointing towards that. They want to open things up and throw it more, you know, from the OTA reports with what Tim Kelly's doing out at 
uh, you know, the summer workouts from the way they signed, went about identifying and signing offensive linemen to adding DeAndre Hopkins to Mike Vrabel going on busting with the boys and saying, we didn't <laughs> sign DeAndre Hopkins to block. We didn't, you know, we're, we don't have Traylon Burks and Kyle Phillips aren't here to block. Um, I think there are signs that, that yes, they are going to come out of the stone age finally. And, and I don't think they're going to become the chiefs and be throwing the ball 40, you know, 45 times, 50 times a game. And I, I don't think Mike Vrabel believes that's how you win. Uh, or at least not with this roster. Like if you had Patrick Mahomes, maybe, maybe we could talk about it, but with Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry and and the bones that are still here, I still think the, the best way is to be balanced. Um, and one thing I will say, like for Hopkins, I like Hopkins fit with Ryan Tannehill. I know people like to dog on Tannehill and make fun of him. And he's an easy punching bag for the national media and, and for non-Titans fans, especially, but, and even some Titans fans. Um, but <laughs> he, uh, one thing he has shown the penchant to do and the, the, you know, that he will do is he's going to throw the ball. If he trusts the receiver, he will throw him the ball. He will, he will throw it into tight windows. He will challenge and make tough throws. And that is one thing, like when you talked about building that trust with Hopkins and seeing him do it and building that ability to say, when I'm under pressure, when I know I've got to get rid of the ball, I can just throw it up and let him make a play because I've seen him do it in practice. I've seen him do it, you know, in games the quicker they can get on that page, the better, because I think Tannehill will do that. We saw him do it with AJ Brown, where he would just you know, right. heave it up for him and let him go make a play. I think he'll do that with Hopkins, but it's going to take some time to get there. Yeah. And I also think that, you know, the effect that this will have on Traylon Burks, I don't think you can overstate it. You mentioned in your article about how Hopkins needs to push needs to teach Burks had to use the push off to create separation and not get flagged for it. But just in terms of like his role in the offense, if you look back at like some of the great wide receivers that emerged over the years, when they started their careers, they had a running mate that was an established veteran, good receiver. I'm talking about like the Marvin Harrison, Reggie Waynes, the Roddy White, Julio Jones, the Donald Driver, Greg Jennings, like. Uh, well, you know, a good one is Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. I mean, Adam there Thielen wasn't like a star star, but he was a very good receiver when Justin Jefferson was drafted. Um, right. And he certainly helped, I think, make him a make Jefferson a better player. Not to say he wouldn't have been great on his own, but I think being across from that guy certainly helps when a guy comes into the league. So I'm excited to see what Traylon Burks can do in, you know, with less pressure on him this year, because if you just isolate his his great games last year, you know, like the Eagles game, the Packers game, he had big games and made big catches and big moments, but not being relied on to be that guy who has to be your go-to player, who has to win basically every rep for the passing game to have any chance, I think is going to help just, you know, make it fun for him. And he's been talking about that a bit this offseason. You can see it in the videos the Titans put out throughout OTAs that he's really just out there having fun. And what could be more fun as a receiver than having DeAndre Hopkins join your room and being able to play across from him? I think it's going to be great for the young kid. 100%. And yeah, he just seems so much more comfortable and confident this offseason. And I think that will translate on the field. And I think I think him and Okonkwo both benefit from this because like they don't have to be that guy. Like they can, they can have Deandre Hopkins out there as a major threat uh, in addition to them. And if those guys take the step forward that I think most Titans fans feel like they're capable of this, all of a sudden becomes a really, really potent offense. Cause you look, it doesn't take much, you know, it doesn't take much right. to imagine a situation where Deandre Hopkins looks like the Deandre Hopkins he's been every time he's been on the field in his career Plus, Traylon Burks takes the step that we thought he would, and Chica Conquo takes a step that he thought he would, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, this this offense is going to look really good if the offensive line can hold up. So I think the weapons, it's it's appropriate to feel excited about them now as a Titans fan, uh, whereas before Hopkins, I just thought there was so much pressure on those two young guys to be like just dominant for this offense to be any good, and now they just have to be good. They don't They don't have to be... 1200 1400 yard receivers you know right it does scare me a little bit talking about this because i just get flashbacks to 2021 when julio jones and aj brown and derrick henry were supposed to form an amazing trio of weapons and you know julio barely even got on the you know didn't play much that season didn't catch his first touchdown with the titan until the what the final week of the year um but he had some good catches in that playoff game against the bank whatever uh 
it didn't pan out then, but that doesn't mean it won't pan out now. So I, I'm excited for, for this season. I think, you know, there's a lot of Titans fans. If you ask them in January, what's the 2023 season going to hold? It was like, oh, we're rebuilding. We're going to trade Tannehill and Henry. And who knows if we're going to extend Jeffrey Simmons and Kevin Byard might be cut or traded. Like, And now we're at the point where all four of those guys, as our buddy Wes on Broadway pointed out, those four guys were the uniform reveal guys, Simmons, Tannehill, Henry, and Byard. So I think that, you know, the Titans definitely showed us they're trying to compete for 2023. Could be the last dance for Tannehill and Henry in 2023. And if it is, I think they are, you know, well positioned to have a great last year in Tennessee. And maybe if they have that great year, it won't be the last one. So anyway, we'll see how all that turns out. Um, Let's talk really quickly before we get to training camp about the tackles who visited and worked out for the Titans on Saturday. Obviously, we all know Nicholas Petit-Ferrer, the starting right tackle, expected, presumed starting right tackle, is suspended for the first six games of the year. So the Titans worked out Chris Hubbard and George Fant. Now, there hasn't been much buzz about, you know, Titans fans wanting Chris Hubbard. There has been a decent amount of buzz about Titans fans saying, go get George Fant. He tweeted a couple weeks ago, like, all they have to do is call me and he'll be there to, to work out. Well, he did come work out. Um... And he left without a contract. Chris Hubbard as well. Chris Hubbard has spent the last five years with the Cleveland Browns, started 35 games over those five years. He spent the the four years before that with the Pittsburgh Steelers. George Fan has been in, with the Jets for the last three years, was with the Seahawks three years before that. I feel like one of these guys is going to be a Titan, maybe not for a week or two here. I don't know what the holdup would be, um, but, you know, The veterans and everyone don't report to training camp until Tuesday, so there's no reason to sign him over the weekend. I would hope he gets in sooner than later so we can pick up the offense and pick up chemistry along the offensive line, but I still think George Fant would be the best move this this team can make to fix the right tackle six-week problem, and if he's playing well at right tackle for six weeks... You don't bench him for for you know a third round second year player who didn't play all that well last year. So we'll see how that even turns out. But do you think one of these guys signs with the Titans in the next couple of weeks? I have to think so. And I you know I'm a little surprised that they didn't get something done with Fan. You know who knows? It could just be a numbers thing as far as what Fan wants and what the Titans are willing to pay for this role. Um, and they may circle back around on it. You know, you never know. But um, I think they've got to add somebody because you just uh, right now I think Jamarco Jones would probably be your favorite to be the right starting right tackle week one which would not be a good situation I mean there's really not a good situation on the roster you could maybe talk me into uh bumping Daniel Brunskill out there who's played some tackle before but then who do you start at right guard is it Jordan Roos or, or somebody like that um Corey like Levin, Corey Levin yeah um you know I, I could be convinced that that would be maybe possible like okay over the the first six weeks but it's not you're still you've still got a depth problem because what happens if you know Brunskill goes down or Andre Dillard goes down then who are you playing you know like it gets bad fast and expecting all the offensive linemen to stay healthy for six weeks um is just you know based on the Titans last recent history is is probably not a good bet so it's um, – I think they've got to have a tackle. That's one of the positions where the depth is the scariest on this roster, which I th- still think there's some scary depth spots even outside of that position. But it is uh, – I feel like it's got to get done. You, you need somebody – because we don't know that Dillard's going to be good either. That's the thing. Like <laughs> maybe Dillard's not good. He's only played nine starts in his NFL career and like, you know, He's missed seasons due to injury, stuff like that. So, like, what if Dillard stinks? And what do you do then? Like, do you move Skaronsky out? Like, now you're like, uh, there's just a whole, like, snowball effect of possibilities at that tackle spot. And giving them, like, even, like, Hubbard, who I don't like as much as Fan, gives them, like, a baseline of competency. Like, you're not going to get Dennis Dalyed if you have to play (laughs) Chris Hubbard for six weeks or or even for a big part of the season. Um, and I think they've got to find a way to avoid that situation where they just have like this red blinking light at one of the offensive line positions that is a constant problem, and especially at tackle because it's harder to hide those guys. And it's been that way for like the last two seasons with Taylor Lewan dealing with the injuries he's dealt with, whether it was David Questenberry out there or Dennis 
Dennis Kelly or Dylan or Dennis Daly, all the Dennises. Um, no, none of them have played great. And if you look at the Titans schedule, the first six weeks, you know, they got to play New Orleans with Cam Jordan. It's not a, a great defensive front anymore. They lost Marcus Davenport, but still a good defensive line. Then they have Los Angeles Chargers, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack. Then they got Cleveland with Miles Garrett, Cincinnati and division game, Indianapolis, Baltimore week six. Like those are big games that the Titans need to have their best, you know, possible chance to win and rolling out, you know, Jalen Duncan as your sixth round pick rookie at right tackle because somebody tweaked their knee the week before or whatever, like is not going to fly. I think the team knows it. That's why they brought these tackles in for the workout. They just got to get the numbers right. And I think either Fant or Hubbard will be a Titan at some point during training camp. Yeah, that's my guess too. All right. Speaking of training camp, let's talk about what we're looking forward to see. And mostly I want to talk about the questions that we're looking forward to having answers to once training camp begins. But before we get there, Caleb Farley and Dylan Radins will start the year on the PUP list, which isn't all that surprising. Dylan Radins coming off a late season torn ACL. I think that happened in like December, right? So he's probably not going to be ready to go for a while. Caleb Farley had another back surgery this offseason, so he's dealing with that. So there's a lot going on with these guys. Um, Caleb Farley, are you ready to say his Titans career is in jeopardy is it over where are you at on farley here as he starts another season with an injury i mean contractually i feel like it's still tough to cut him because they would be taking on they would be losing cap space by cutting him because his his 2024 salary is guaranteed so it's going to accelerate onto this year's cap if they do release him um so i think it's He's going to get every chance to make the roster if he can get healthy at some point during training camp. I don't know what his timeline is. Um, he's kind of he's kind of one of those guys that's almost forgotten at this point because, you know, you just know that you can't count on him to be out there, so you don't factor him into what you're planning on this defense looking like at this point, which is sad and unfortunate for all parties. Um, but – I think, yeah, there there is a chance that maybe they say the roster spots were the financial, you know, issue, or or they could always take it and say, we're just going to put them on IR and stash them for a year, you right. know, and and just we're not, we're not going to have them out there, but we're just going to let him get fully healthy, and maybe this final year of his rookie contract in twenty twenty four will be the year that he can get on the field and stay on the field, um, but I, I think. I'm not holding out any more hope for, for Caleb Farley. Yeah, same. I, I think, you know, he, we had so much excited, excitement when he when he was drafted because he was a guy that, you know, would have been a top 10 pick if not for the injuries and just based on his measurables and his profile. But mm-hmm. I don't know. At this point, I think staging him for the year is the best option unless you can get like a conditional sixth or seventh round pick from somebody who wants to take a chance. But I think that would only happen if he was healthy. You know, at the end of training camp when it's cut time, send him off to some team for a conditional pick. But if he's still injured, it's that's not going to happen. So yeah. I guess we'll just have to see how that plays out. Other news, Josh Thompson was added to the non-football injury list. So he that's three roster spots they basically cleared up by putting these guys um, where they did. Thompson, a safety. The Titans don't have very much safety depth at all. Uh, Justin Mello and I have talked about how they need to go out and re-sign Josh Kalou. Hasn't happened yet. We'll see if it does. It's nothing even reported that makes me think that could happen. It's just such a good fit that I feel like it should happen. Everyone knows Kalou in the building. Kalou knows the scheme. Like, why not bring him back? And you have no safety depth unless you count Elijah Molden, who maybe he is a safety now, but that's not what he's been in his NFL career. So, yeah. And and I do think it makes perfect sense to go get Kalou because, like you said, they need somebody that they can rely on. Because, look, Amani Hooker is probably going to get hurt at some point this year. I mean, like, it's, <laughs> he's one of those guys that falls in that Christian Fulton camp at this point where look maybe it's just bad luck but back-to-back years where he's had just persistent injury issues that have kept him off the field he's missed i think at least five games both of the last two years um it it is hard to rely on him to play 17 for you so i I can't imagine they'd be real excited about throwing elijah molden out there as like a full-time starting safety in his first year at a new position um, so I think you've got to have somebody and there, there are guys out there like John Johnson, I think makes sense. Um, and I think it's like, you know, there's, there's certainly guys that you could put out there that would give them a little bit better opportunity to, to be okay at the position. Like you don't have to get like somebody who can like 
be a great safety. You just need somebody who can get you through games and, and almost like Andrew Adams last year. Um, so I don't know if one of these guys maybe is Andrew right. Adams, you know, and it's going to come out of nowhere to to actually be uh, useful. Um, but the the names are not inspiring uh, on the depth chart right now behind Byard and Hooker. Yeah, completely unproven guys who maybe they'd be okay, but chances are they will not be good enough. Um, okay, next point I wanted to make here is that Harold Landry avoided the PUP list. I don't know if people expected him to be on it or not on it. A lot of reports said he would be ready for training camp. Well, now we know he will indeed be ready for training camp coming back from his own torn ACL. That's great news for this Titans defense. I'm excited to see what he looks like because we've seen guys in Tennessee Coming off a torn ACL, not being themselves, talking about Taylor Lewan, more recently Bud Dupree, and just having like flare-ups throughout the season where they have to take a week off. And Harold Landry's a guy who's, you know, when he's played, he's played 90, 95% of defensive snaps for this Titans team. So when he's healthy and on the field, he's one of their best players and most reliable players. Hopefully he can be himself. We'll see how he's taking it in training camp. I expect him to be one of those guys that's getting maintenance day every two or three days just to make sure his knee's not swelling up and and he's doing okay with his recovery. But overall, great news that he is not on the PUP list. Definitely. And the timing of his injury gives him a chance to actually, you know, kind of buck the trend of guys struggling to really like get back to their previous level in the first year back from an ACL just because a lot of times those injuries happen later in the year or, you know, in the middle of the season, which makes it, you know, it's a couple months difference in when you're able to rehab and when you're able to get back to like actual football training. So the fact that he's going to be full go, well, maybe not full go. We'll see like what level of participation he is at training camp, but the fact that he's even available to start training camp and not on the PUP is definitely a big deal and a good sign for them. And and look, there was also a bunch of guys like, Monty Rice, Danico mm-hmm. Autry, Travon Wesco, who missed big chunks of like OTAs that apparently are healthy now, which is good. Um, so definitely a good sign that the PUP list and the NFI list were pretty short for the Titans and really just filled with guys that we knew were not going to be available. Besides, I, I guess Thompson is we weren't sure about, but I mean, he's a guy that hook may or may not have made the roster but... anyways. Yeah, hook him, but... <laughs> Hook him, but yeah, he's not like necessarily <laughs> a great player in the NFL. Um, yeah, so I think that that covers the news. Let's talk about training camp and what we're looking forward to. Number one thing for me, it, when you look at this roster and this depth chart, a lot of the starting spots are pretty much solidified. Like, yes, there's offensive line competition. Yes, Aaron Brewer's competing to be the starting center. And who knows what's going on with right tackle with NPF suspension. But I think we know that Brewer's going to start at center. We know that Skaronski's going to start at left guard. Dillard's going to start at left tackle. Brunskill's going to start at right guard. So generally, a lot of the starting spots, especially on offense, we kind of know what they're going to be. What we don't know is who's going to be wide receiver four, five, and six. I guess with the signing of Hopkins, you assume that, you know, it's Nick Westbrook and uh, Kyle Phillips are three and four in whatever interchangeable order you want to call them. But who's going to win those other wide receiver positions? And Justin Mello and I have talked a lot about this already, but... I think that's one of the most interesting battles in camp to me is like, how does Colton Dowell fit into the mix? How does Racy McMath fit in, you know, given that this could be his last chance to impress and a bunch of guys, Mason Kinsey, like these guys that have been hanging around for a long time, but never really made an impact. What do you make of this wide receiver competition, especially on the back end? Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I think now it's, it's interesting in a way that's, you know, actually optimistic and not, you know, soul, soul crushing and sad like it was before Hopkins was signed. Um, because, you know, I do think you know, it's going to be most likely Kyle Phillips and Nick Westbrook Akine in that three, four spot. Then like Chris Moore, I think is a solid veteran who does have some special teams ability that you could put on the roster and feel perfectly good about him being like your fourth or fifth guy in the, in the rotation. So, you know, and he gives them a really high floor, I think for the depth spots, but you would certainly love to see a younger guy like a Colton Dowell or, you know, one of these UDFAs like Jacob Copeland or, or Kyrus Jackson or somebody like that, or or Mason Kinsey, you know, take steps (laughs) forward to the point where they can be a back of the roster guy. And I do think McMath and, Dowell and NWI to me are competing for two spots. Like I just can't see you keeping all three because they're all kind of the same guy. Like they're six right. three, they're two fifteen to two twenty ish. Um, you know, they're they're special teams contributors. They can play gunner for you. So I, I think that's 
you're not going to keep all three of them. You may keep two. And so I think Dowell and McMath is almost a head to head. Cause I just don't see them cutting NWI unless like both those guys blow them away in camp. Right. And I, I doubt that's going to happen. Um, so that's an interesting battle. And then I think there will be, you know, maybe a Mason Kinsey versus Chris Moore versus uh, maybe Jacob Copeland battle for like that backup slot return guy kind of position that, that they probably need as that wide receiver six. So I think that's how it kind of shapes up battle wise, but I really think that's going to be a fun competition now because it's all upside. Like there's, there's no way that the teams are just going to be terrible at receiver uh, at this point, unless Traylon Burks is like a total bust. And I, I just do not see that being the case. So um, yeah, I, I think it's a fun competition to watch now. Yeah. And on Traylon Burks, like another thing I'm excited to see is the top end of that, you know, the pass catching options in Burks and Aquanqua, who we, who we talked about a bit earlier, but just seeing, did they take that step that it felt like they were taking during OTAs when, you know, Jim Wyatt was reporting that Tannehill would drop back at the be- beginning of every team period and target Traylon Burks on like the first few passes of the team period, just because that connection was building so strong. How does Hopkins fit into that rotation? And can Burke step up and really be a go-to guy for Tannehill to give the Titans a 1A, 1B between he and Hopkins? Can Aconquo really take that step and be like an every down tight end? Because last season he played like, what did he play? Less than 40% of snaps. And he put up insanely high efficiency numbers, you know, like yards per route run and all those metrics that that people are tracking and yards per reception, even yards after catch. Like he was a great receiver when he got the ball and when he had those opportunities. I don't expect him to keep up that kind of efficiency on a higher volume, but can he still be extremely efficient? Can he still be a really good player playing more snaps with more responsibility, not only in the pass game, but in the run game as a blocker? And I know Trevon Wesco is going to take on that Jeff Swaim role and be their main blocking tight end. But Aquanco is going to have to block a lot, too. So seeing how these young guys develop throughout training camp and in the preseason, too, is going to be, I think, fun to track because I think they're going to meet our expectations this year. I think so, too. And and that split between Wesco and Chig is going to be interesting, too, because how they divvy up those tight end reps will will be kind of fascinating because I I think Wesco and Wesco has only played like maybe 20 to 30 percent of snaps most of his career in backup roles for the jets and bears. And he's a blocking specialist. Like that is what he does. He is not going to be right. a pass catcher. He's basically like a glorified, you know, third tackle when he's on the field, but he's actually good at it. Like he's actually good <laughs> at the run blocking role, which is important, especially for a team with Derrick Henry on it. So I, I'm fascinated to see how they like divvy up the snaps, whether they're going to play Chig on early downs as like in like a running run blocking kind of role, because I think he in limited action and limited responsibilities, he did block pretty well last year. He blocked better than I thought he would for sure is for a guy that's like 245 pounds. So yeah, same. I think how he blocks and how he holds up will determine what his like snap count can be and how often he can be on the field for, those first and second down plays. Um, and of course, if the Titans move to more of a balanced look, it, it'll benefit them even more being able to have Chig on the field on early down. So his role and and how that tracks versus Wesco. And, and, you know, I don't expect Wiley to play a ton um, yeah. as a rookie. Tight ends usually take some time. Um, although Chig obviously is kind of a, a notable exception to that. Um, and, you know, it, beyond that, do, do they keep Kevin Rader? I don't know. Like I could see maybe them, having him on the roster as well and having four tight ends. So there's uh there's some interesting, there's some interesting uh, questions to be answered at the tight end spot for sure. Yeah. On the defensive side of the ball, I feel like the starters, we kind of know that they're pretty much set behind them. Like who knows what's going to happen with the depth at basically every position. The depth is kind of, you know, concerning and lacking. I am c- curious to see how inside linebacker shakes out because we kind of all expect Monty Rice and Aziz Alshire to be the starting inside linebackers. But they did sign Luke Gifford and Ben Neiman this offseason. They have Jack Gibbons, who we know Mike Vrabel loves because of his intelligence. They call him Dr. Gibby all season. And Chance Campbell, who they drafted last year. Could one of these guys challenge Monty Rice, especially for a starting spot? And I know Aziz Alshire is kind of penciled in as a starter too, but that's not something he's ever done really in his career. He's sort of being projected to take a step up in role here and be an every down linebacker for the Titans. What do you think about the inside linebacker group? And is there any other questions you have about defense you're looking forward to seeing? Yeah, I think um, the inside linebacker group is definitely intriguing because Monty Rice, to me, 
is one of the key pieces of this defense as far as like not in the fact that like he's the most important player, but just that we don't know anything. We know very little about him as an NFL player because he hasn't played a ton so far and he's being projected into a starting role. And and Al Shire at least had the one year where I think it's Drake Greenlaw was hurt pretty much all year and, and Al Shire got to step in and start um, a lot of games. So I think we kind of know what to expect from Al Shire to some degree. Um, and I think he'll he'll step into that David Long role and you would expect Monty Rice to be in the Zach Cunningham role. But I yeah, I think there's a possibility that, you know, apparently like in you know, who knows if it was agent spin or whatever, but there were some people in the Cowboys organization that thought Luke Gifford could have been a starter for them if they'd had you know, the Cowboys obviously were loaded at inside linebacker. Um, but that you know, apparently he was highly thought of in the Cowboys organization. So could Luke Gifford surprise, could you know, yeah, one of the young guys in Campbell or Gibbons step up or even Ben Neiman, who has started games in this in this league. So they've got like six guys in that mix that I don't think are hugely separated. Like, I think they're all kind of tightly bunched. I put Al Shire as the best of them, um, but it'll be interesting to see how that all works itself out, because I, I do feel like those two spots are, are probably the least settled spots as far as starting roles on the roster um, but other uh, other places on the defense, I guess I'm interested to see where like the corners shake out. I, I think we know that the three that are going to be the starters in uh, Bunting, uh, McCreary, and Fulton, but where they line up, who gets the majority of the slot snaps. I you know I think we've seen some hints that maybe McCreary is likely to be that guy. Although I I would have guessed Bunting heading into the OTAs. So you know who knows? They may mix and match. You know it'll be interesting to see. And then the last thing, I feel like there's just not enough depth on this roster on the defensive front. You know, they've got the starters, Landry, you know, Key, Autry, Simmons, and then Tart as your starting nose tackle. Feel great about those guys. Once you get beyond that, it gets real shaky real fast. Because, like, Naquan Jones, I thought, took a step back last year um, as a reserve defensive lineman. So, like, is he going to be your – like fourth interior guy, or can he be challenged by like a Shaquille Brown or Jaden Peavy, um, you know, who Mello just wrote uh, an interview with Jaden Peavy. And I find him to be one of the more interesting guys on that, in that group, just because of his length, he's got like rare, rare length. He's got like a seven foot two inch wingspan, which is unbelievably freaky for a guy that's, you know, six, six, 300 pounds. Um, So, you know, could he step into that role and be like your rotational nose tackle behind here, Tart, um, and a guy that could maybe play on some early downs alongside Tart? Um, I think that group is fascinating as well as the edge rushers because you get Rashad Weaver, you've got uh, the guy that they signed. Um, I guess the Jaleel Johnson is a defensive lineman, the, another guy that will be in that mix. But um, I don't, I'm, I just don't think he's very good. <laughs> but besides Weaver, like there's nobody on the outside linebacker group. Yeah. You know? Like you're immediately down to like Sam, a little I, I guess I'm probably butchering that name. Aquanu. Um, Aquanu. Okay. It's, it's way easier than I made it. Um, yeah. So you got Sam Aquanu, you've got, uh, you know, the uh, Thomas Rush, you've got the guy from Caleb Murphy, the guy from Ferris state who had the crazy stats in college um, yeah. but like who emerges as that like fourth edge rusher? Because I Harold Landry's coming back from an ACL, like we talked about. Arden Key has never started a full season in the NFL. Um so where is the depth at that spot? Because Rashad Weaver, I think, is fine as a as a third guy. I don't I, I'm not particularly excited about him or or think that his like ceiling is super high, but he's fine. But I just don't know what it, what else is there, and that's a spot that I think they could add. They could probably use adding a veteran too, because I, I just don't know that you would want to trust throwing one of those guys into the mix uh, if uh, if Landry or Key was to go down long term. Yeah, like who's going to be this season's Demarcus Walker, who had seven sacks last year, or even yeah. Amario Edwards, who had three sacks last year? Like they 
those guys play a lot because that's a position group that has to rotate a lot. Otherwise they get gassed and they're ineffective. So you need bodies that can come in and, and hold their own and make plays when given the opportunity to make plays. And maybe that is Sam Aquanu, who we had on our pod a couple of weeks ago. And uh, he talked about working with Terrell Williams on, you know, getting his pass rush moves down and watching film and just being an, a better overall player. So could he take a second year leap? Maybe so, or or maybe it's one of the guys you mentioned, or yeah, maybe there's a veteran out there that they need to sign and bring in to camp to to compete, even if it's just to push some of these younger guys and you know say like, hey, your spot is not guaranteed. You need to come to bring it to training camp every single day and prove that you belong here and earn your spot. Um, so I'll be interested to see how all that shakes out. The the other thing I feel like not enough people are talking about here when we talk about what we're looking forward to seeing in training camp is the special teams aspect, and there's multiple factors to this because. Number one, the Titans don't have a kicker. Like, yeah, they have a couple <laughs> kickers. But if you have a couple kickers, it's sort of like that old adage. Like, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. Like, if you have a couple kickers, you don't have a kicker. And uh, we'll see how how that shakes out between, you know, the rookie Trey Wolf and uh, Caleb Shudak, the holdover from last year who was missed basically the whole season with an injury. Titans don't have anyone else. There's no one that's actually proven they can kick in the NFL on this team. So how that shakes out in training camp practices, I'm sure we're going to have the like Jim Wyatt tracking their field goal attempts and makes and and their percentages throughout training camp, but also looking at how they perform in preseason when, you know, it actually sort of counts, doesn't really count, but counts a little more than it does in practice. But even just having the, the aspect of like you're competing against someone else for your job, whoever steps up and is, you know, performs better. That gives you the the confidence that the mental aspect, like the pressure of going out to make a game winning kick when it's like your job is literally on the line every day in training camp. Can you still make this field goal? I feel like that kind of translates to we lose the game if you miss this field goal. But I'll be very interested to see how the kicking competition shakes out. Definitely. And and it does feel kind of like that offseason when they had I think it was uh, Sam Ficken and Tucker McCann in camp. And they were battling, and then Ficken got hurt. Ficken was off to like a really good start. Ficken gets hurt, and then I think that was when they went went and got Randy Bullock, if I recall correctly. So I feel like there's a chance that if one of these guys stumbles or both of them just aren't inspiring a lot of confidence, that they still could go get a veteran kicker. Like there's some guys out there. I think Robbie Robbie Gold still unsigned. Um, so there's definitely some veteran guys out there that if you needed to just go get somebody that you could rely on and and would you know put it through the uprights from from 40, um, I think you can do that. But certainly, I think they want one of these guys to be able to take the job and run with it because they have bigger legs, like both Trey Wolf and Caleb Judak. Although their size difference is like comical, yeah. like Ficken is like tiny; he's like five foot five or something like that, and then uh, Trey Wolf is like six four. So it's like this wild swing of like size, but they both have really strong legs. Um, and so I think you're, you're able to get a little bit more of the distance. You're get, able to get a little bit more of the, like the kickoff juice um, out of both of these guys. And it's a benefit to have a young kicker on a rookie contract where you're like paying basically like the, the minimum for rookie. the next three to four years, especially like, you know, when you have Deandre Hopkins on the roster and stuff like that. So it's a huge benefit to them if they can pay that kicker, you know, $600,000 versus three and a half million or whatever it costs to, to sign Robbie gold for a year. So um, yeah, I, I think they want one of these guys to step up and run with it and we'll, we'll see if that happens, but I think that'll be very interesting to track. Yeah. And the other aspect I mentioned, there were two sides of this. The other is the, the returner position, which we'll see how the, you know, the new kickoff rules with touchbacks and all that affect the actual kick return job, but and punt return and all that. But um. There are so many guys competing for the returner job. I want to read you a little snippet from Jim Wyatt's doing this training camp preview at every single position. And he put out the special teams one, I think yesterday or today, maybe. And uh, (laughs) what he wrote for in camp after punter and kickers, returner Kyle Phillips, returner Tajay Spears, returner Hassan Haskins, returner Julius Chestnut, returner Mason Kinsey, returner Amani Hooker, returner Jonathan Ward, returner Chris Moore, returner Kiaris Jackson, returner Trey Avery, returner Eric Garo, returner Stephen Jones, returner Gavin Holmes, returner Trayson Harrison. Like, how many guys can possibly be the returner here? This is maybe the most, like, I don't know, crowded competition out of every position the Titans have. Who's going to step up and win this job? And on top of that, I just read so many names. Not a single one of those guys gives me any confidence. Maybe Tajay Spears as like the most dynamic guy back there. 
but I don't want him to get hurt returning punts because I think he's going to be a weapon for, you know, in the, on the offense, especially in the passing game. And then it's like, yeah, maybe Chris Moore could do it. Mason Kinsey, like we've seen that experiment. Amani Hooker, we've seen that. Hassan Haskins, I don't even want to talk about with the legal situation he's dealing with. Kyle Phillips has already proven that he's not that durable. Do you really want to risk him as your punt returner? Like this position is the biggest mystery to me on the entire team. Absolutely. Yeah, I I, I feel like, I don't know, I, I kind of like Phillips still, despite the the muffs, because I, I, I kind of put one of the muffs on him on the shoulder, on the shoulder injury, because I think he was playing with a bad shoulder. I think that affected the way he was trying to catch the ball against Buffalo. And I think that's probably why he dropped that one. Now, the first one, he gets no, you know, <laughs> excuse for besides it just being his first NFL game or whatever. Um, but I still like Phillips as the punt returner. Now kick returns, maybe, maybe it's uh, uh, Spears. Maybe, I don't know. It, I don't know. It, the, I honestly don't even know if it matters because like the, the rules becoming more and more just, you're just going to take the ball at the 25 yard line. Right. Like, it, cause now you can do the bear catch thing and all that. Like, I feel like teams are not going to return almost any kicks this year. So it may not matter. It's just somebody who can catch the ball and, you know, maybe you put spears back there every now and then, if you feel like you want to try to get a big return or something like that. Um, so I, yeah, I, I, I'm way more worried about the punt return spot than I am kick return right now. Yeah, same. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, if you can put a guy back there to just fair catch it every time and not lose the ball, like not turn it over with a muffed punt, then that's fine. And that's kind of what the Titans did when they put Robert Woods back there last year, but he's gone too. So I'd be interested in seeing Chris Moore, Kyle Phillips. Sure. Tajay Spears. Sure. Like it's the son Haskins going to be on the roster come September. Like, I don't know. We'll see how his legal situation shakes out, but I don't want to imagine him as a person anymore. So <laughs> no, definitely not. And, and honestly for the Titans, I'm like, why is he still here? Julius Ches- Chestnut is literally like a carbon copy. Can you yeah. not just slide him over and like just say, all right, Haskins go on. You know, we don't, we don't need you around here anymore. Right. Important special teams player, but you know, like there's a reason that your bottom of the depth chart guys play special teams is because it's not that hard. Um, anyway, a, a little breaking news as we're recording in case we're people were wondering if uh, there might be another tackle option out there for the Titans. Isaiah Wilson has been suspended, but for three games by the NFL, which I, I don't know how or why, but he has been suspended. So he scratch him off your list. If you had him on your list as a potential Nicholas Petit Frere replacement, uh, no, no, not available. He's not even on a roster right now, is he? No, I, I don't. I don't know if he's even had a tryout in over a year. I yeah. think the last time he was with the Giants, I believe, was the last time we saw him in the league. But I think that was over over a year ago at this point. Yeah. So, okay. Sorry, Isaiah Wilson. You <laughs> not play the first three games of the year and probably not ever, ever again, ever. Um, yeah. <laughs> anything yeah. else you're looking forward to in trading camp before we wrap up this episode, Mike? I, I mean, I'm very intrigued to see like how Chris Harris's energy is because I feel like Chris Harris, the new defensive backs coach, and defensive pass game coordinator is kind of in the mold of Kerry Combs from a energy standpoint, personality standpoint. I feel like he got a lot out of that group. Now, obviously, it's a pretty different group now uh, than it was when Combs was was the defensive backs coach. But I feel like Chris Harris is an important coach to being able to – like the Titans defense was good last year, but they still had the last – the dead last ranked pass defense from a, a passing yards allowed standpoint – and uh, that's got to get better. So whatever whatever Chris Harris can do to get the most out of these guys, especially because he's got such a young room to work mm-hmm. with at corner, um, he's a critical coach. And I'm really interested to see how his style and his coaching translates to those young corners because that, that is an absolutely critical spot for the Titans if they want to reach their potential this year. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that. And the last thing I'll say is I'm more looking forward to this when preseason rolls around and we're just under three weeks away from the first preseason game. Man, but I so wanna, close. You know, it's getting here. I really want to see these two backup quarterbacks duke it out for, you know, that number two job, obviously talking about Will Levis and Malik Willis. I'm a big Will Levis supporter. I have been, you know, throughout the pre-draft process. I think I was higher on him than most people. And Malik Willis, like I sort of gave up on Malik Willis after the Titans did last year when they went to Josh Dobbs. 
But based on everything we've seen from him this offseason and OTAs and everything, it does look like he has taken a step forward. How big is that step? Is it going to be enough, you know, to to save him a roster spot? Can he even possibly beat out Will Levis? At the very least, we know we're going to have preseason football where it's not some, you know, Luke Falk or somebody at the, you know, <laughs> taking over the fourth quarter. Like the Titans are going to have a chance to win preseason games because it's either going to be Malik Willis out there making plays or Will Levis out there. And if, you know, if those guys go out and really struggle in the preseason, then you kind of have your answer on what do the Titans have in them. But I'm excited for that to happen. And we'll get a lot of reports on how they look in training camp. So I'm excited for training camp. But really, it's going to be preseason that we see what those guys can do. Definitely. They'll make the preseason very watchable, I think. Yeah, finally. for uh, I mean, last year was fun, too, with Malik Willis. But it's been a while since, you know, the, the preseason. Like, we were so excited to get Luke Falk in the preseason, and we never got it. So... <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, Cole, Cole McDonald. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I did. Uh, I did really get disappointed by the Cole, Cole McDonald uh, not having the five interception, four touchdown games in the preseason. Yeah. Anyway, that would have been fun. All right. So that is it. That is the training camp preview and a ton of news to cover. Big episode here. Thanks to everyone for listening, and thanks even more to everyone who's watching on YouTube. If you're just listening again, head to YouTube youtube.com slash the music city audible podcast check us out there subscribe to the channel leave a comment leave 10 comments on every video that's what we need really to keep growing this thing we're over 200 subscribers so we're 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 getting there but we're not to our goal of a thousand yet i think it's going to be a few weeks but you guys have a chance to make that even sooner so go out there and help us out thanks again to mike for filling in for justin mellow today follow mike on twitter at mike herndon nfl follow me at titans film room i'm still calling it twitter till the day i die baby i don't know why x is a thing nobody knows whatever twitter it is so follow us on twitter and uh, i'll be back next week justin Mello will be as well and we'll talk about the first week of titans training camp all the sights all the sounds deandre hopkins is finally speaking on tuesday so we'll talk about that and hopefully we'll have his contract details so we can break it down all right that is it for us until next time y'all stay safe out there and tighten up A Broadway Sports Media Production.